0: Okay, folks, uh, we did our best to bring Michael on board for today's show, and it just wasn't working. So I'm going to go ahead and do a solo, and uh, what I'm going to do is do a show about Abraham and Sarah and Abraham and Keturah and how the Brahmins of India are actually the descendants of Abraham and Keturah. Let me put this link in the chat room for everybody. And uh, this is uh, one of the uh, strange, how, how should I put it, uh, backdrops of Christian identity that uh, obviously non-identity theologians have no interest in sharing with anybody Because it is not, (laughs) it is not considered part of Christianity. But our history, uh, is very important. And the history of our people is that, uh, Abraham sent the sons of Keturah to the east. Okay? It clearly says so in Genesis that Abraham sent, uh, yeah, okay, and uh, I am streaming. The the computer says we're streaming, so I'm hoping you can hear us, and I just put the link in the chat room. I just put the link in the chat room, and I'm trying very hard to, to get uh, established contact with the people in the chat room. Okay, so... Uh, and uh, this will be my last uh, uh, test. If I can't, if you can't hear me now, then I'm, I'm just going to give up. Okay, thank you, Stephen. All right. So, um, all right. So the the story of Abraham and Sarah is a very, very important one. And uh, I just put the link in the chat room. And uh, thank you, Swamp Fox. Okay, Abraham and Brahma, Part One. This is from a website called. Boloji.com. B-O-L-O-J-I.com. And uh, under spirituality, Abraham and Brahma Part 1 by Anonymous for Joshua Messiah. Obviously, uh, this, it's the same word in the Old Testament that's pronounced Yahshua and spelled Yahshua because there was no J in Hebrew or Greek, uh, but uh, there was a J in Latin. And I don't know where that J originated from, because even in the Greek, there is no J sound. It's pronounced like a Y. And even in Germanic, it's pronounced like a Y. And the uh, Nordic languages, the J is pronounced like a Y. So somehow that J sound got picked up from, by Latin, uh, transmitted to French, and then finally transmitted to English. The correct pronunciation is Yahshua Messiah, even though there's a J there. Anyway, divine covenants of common origin. This research, provided by cheap paper writing service, will confirm that Abraham of Muslim and Judeo Christian faiths was influenced by the Vedic understanding of Brahma as creator, supreme soul of the universe, sacred knowledge, or high priest, and vice versa. Well, it's, uh, uh, yeah, well, there was. I guess this is a correct statement, and vice versa. There's a mutual influence going on here because as, uh, as I've been arguing in other historical uh, statements, that the sons of Adam, sons of Adam and Eve, many of them settled in Kashmir, which is really not that far from uh, the Tigris and Euphrates area. And we're talking about thousands of years of history, so they could easily migrate to the east, and we know as well that the the, uh, Uyghurs of the Tarim Basin We're, in fact, white people, descended from Japheth, okay? So our people got around. Our our people are migratory people. Our our people are explorers and hunters and uh, civilization creators. And so wherever our people settled, you can see that civilization flourished, unlike the other races of the world, wherever our people settle, civilization flourishes. okay it may take a little time, but uh, usually not much time because our people are carpenters and builders and masons, etc cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, horsemen, you know the, uh, the horsemen of the world are the white people of the world. We're the ones who developed that, that horsemanship. Chain mail was developed by the Parthians. They were the first ones to wear chainmail armor on riding on their horses. The Parthians and the uh, Scythians were excellent horsemen and archers. Alexander the Great had his hands full with the uh, Parthian and Scythian archers who would uh, decimate his his troops who were, uh, of course, on foot. Okay, so he never was able to conquer Parthia, he was never able to conquer the Scythians, but he had a tremendous fascination with India. And of course, the Indo-Aryans were akin to the Greeks, right? And the Nordic myths, uh, very similar myths among the Indo-Aryans, okay? So there are all kinds of connections between the Indo-Aryans and, of course, the Hebrews, which is the point I'm trying to make today. Anyway, the research will offer the Hindu a saintly example of in Abraham of Vedic principles of Brahma and the Muslim Judeo-Christian believers an understanding of the spiritual background and inner prayer life of Abraham through his contemporary reflection in the Vedic texts and commentaries, Vedas, Upanishads, etc., the reader from any background will come to gain insight into the spiritual history of the world and how reformers saints and prophets always looked out for the poor in their efforts to relate to the divine which is not true of the Jews folks <laughs> all right so there was always how should i put this a you know a an element of compassion for the downtrodden in Abrahamic and uh, Hebrew literature, morality, etc. Okay? And that's not true of other cultures. It's not always true of other cultures. In African culture, the downtrodden are, remain downtrodden. In China, the downtrodden remain downtrodden. But uh, and, but uh, even in uh, uh, American uh, like Aztec, not so much Mayan, but Aztec, you know, the, uh, the brutality of the Aztecs is world renowned, but the Mayan are not the, that same type of culture. They had a, a more gentle culture. So did the Navajo Indians. It really depends on which, uh, tribe of Indians you're talking about. So introduction is Abraham Brahma and is Brahma Abraham, <laughs> okay, are they one and the same person? And I have been arguing, yes, they are. And uh, but uh, Brahma is actually a depiction of Yahweh, uh, because uh, they the uh, Katurans did not recognize Yahweh by, and that, by that name, although they had the uh, Yah or spelled E A, they had that uh, knowledge okay but uh, they didn't uh, associate with Yahweh because that came later uh, uh, the uh, the Exodus period is where the Israelites relearned the name of Yahweh they had it the um, in fact another descendant of Keturah was Jethro and when Moses went to Medea not to Africa to Medea and uh got his wife Zipporah, who was the daughter of Jethro, the Midian priest, the Midianite priest, okay, he was a descendant of Abraham and Keturah. So, therefore, so was Zipporah. So, Moses got his wife from Abraham and Keturah, not from some African tribe, (laughs) okay, as we're led to believe by the nonsensical Judeo-Christians. So, uh, Okay, returning to this article now, we have to have this understanding that the Keturans, Keturians or Keturans, were sent east. They're the descendants of Abraham through Keturah. And this is, has been common knowledge historically. However, because the entire world is now organized against a true Israel and the white race, it's, uh, it's been fashionable in India to even deny the Indo-Aryan <laughs> conquering of India. They're, they're trying to deny that that ever happened, okay? So what I'm saying is that their descendants of Seth were already in India. They were the civilizing culture that was already there. And so when the Keturians... Migrated to the east across the Tigris and Euphrates River into India and of course uh, Afghanistan and uh, all those other countries that exist today. A vast area of plains and mountains that uh, and and the Sethites tended to move up to the mountainous areas and to find sanctuaries such as Kashmir. Okay, and uh, and the uh, tomb of Adam and Eve is reportedly in Kashmir, and it still exists today, but uh, I don't think I'll have time to get into that subject. Okay, so he says, have you ever noticed that Abraham and his wife Sarah of the monotheistic well, <laughs> Judeo, I guess he's correct in you calling it Judeo-Christian. Of the monotheistic Judeo-Christian and Muslim religions are nearly identical in name to Brahma and his wife Sarasvati of the Hindu religion, right? Sarah, Sarah's name is contained in the net word Sarasvati, Okay. And so it depicts Abraham as a four headed, <laughs> a four headed priest riding on oh some kind of chimeric uh, beast. It looks like a, a turtle with a goose head, <laughs> right? And it shows Abraham uh, sa- sacrificing Isaac. So what's the, what's the connection regarding the link between Abraham and Brahma? Stephen Rosen writes quote. The similarities between the names of Abraham and Brahma have not gone unnoticed. Abraham is said to be the father of uh, the Israelites of, of the uh Abrahamites, okay? And not the Jews. That's Jewish that's Jewish mysticism. And uh Brahma, as the first created being, is often seen as the father of mankind. Okay, so they well, who created uh all the species, it was Yahweh. Okay, so they didn't know. The Katurites, the Katurians, didn't know about Yahweh. So they, uh, they had to learn it later. And so they, they invented this word Brahma for the creator God. Okay, but that name Brahma is based on the name of Abraham. We might also note that the name of Brahma's consort, Sarasvati, seems to resonate with that of Abraham's wife, Sarah. Each one's identity as a wife and or sister. (laughs) Okay? Also, I I guess uh, incest is more common in India. Anyway, also in India, the Sarasvati River includes a tributary known as the Gagar. According to Jewish tradition, Hagar was Sarah's maidservant. Okay, so we've got Hagar, known as Gagar, and sometimes in many languages, because it's spelled here G-H-A-G-G-R, and the first letter is uh, mute. So the G-H sound is actually pronounced uh, kind of like Hagar. And so we see the connection between um, pronouncing it Gagar, it's probably pronounced Hagar in the Sanskrit. And Hagar are exactly the same person. Both Brahmins and Israelites—I'm just going to scratch Jews and say Israelites—see themselves as a the chosen people of God. The Hebrews began their sojourn through history as a kingdom of priests. Exodus 19:6. Likewise, Brahmins are also. A Community of Priests. Of course, this is a Jewish author, so he's going to use the word Jew, not Israel. And this is Rosen in his book, Essential Hinduism. Page 12. Donald M. Craig points to ancient sources regarding a history of Abraham from India. Quote, Flavius Josephus in the Antiquities of the Judahites Quotes Aristotle as saying that the Israelites are derived from the Indian philosophers, (laughs) it's actually the other way around, and are known as the Kalani, C A L A N I. So the correspondences between Indo Aryan culture in India and the surrounding territory and Hebrew culture of the Bible is very, very Striking, folks. Once you start investigating this subject, more of these connections come up. In his book De Somno, he elaborates on the story of how Aristotle discovered this information, but the basic concept remained the same. Megasthenes was an ambassador of Seleucus I of Syria to India before the latter's death in 288 BCE. BC. Megasthenes wrote that the Israelites were an Indian tribe or sect called Kalani. Except for the spelling, he agreed with Aristotle and Clearchus. Higgins also claims that or of the Chaldees, that's probably where the word Kalani comes from, Chaldeans, they just dropped the D, Higgins also claims that Ur of the Chaldees, the home of Abraham, mentioned in the Bible, was actually Ur of the Chaldeans. That's exactly right. And who were the Chaldeans? The Chaldeans were the priests, uh, itinerant priests that roamed around the Tigris and Euphrates area, but they were Shemites. They were Shemites, folks. They were not Jews. They were not Sumerians. They were Shemites. Chaldean, he continues, is actually called Deva. And this is spelled K-A-U-L dash Deva, D-E-V-A, or the Holy Calls, a Pramodical cast of India. Okay, and this, I was always wondering why the, uh, the many of the, the ancient church, the pre-Catholic church, of Ireland and England, refer to themselves as Caldees. Now, where does that word come from? Why? Why on earth would they refer to themselves as Chaldees? Well, this is this is where it comes from. Because the the, the uh, what was the sect now uh, that uh, reigned in uh, in Ireland and in England before the Catholic Church took it over uh they, they were part pagan, okay they were part pagan and uh, uh, but uh, they called themselves the Chaldees. They got their religion from Chaldea. that's why they call themselves Chaldees okay and there's a book ri- uh, written about uh, the Chaldean religion in uh, in Ireland and uh, Ireland and Scotland and uh, and the rest of England. Before the Catholic Church invaded and changed their religion, although it was a a biblical Hebrew oriented religion. Probably because these people were many of them were in fact Hebrew Israelites in England. The, uh, the, but this church derived a lot of their teaching from the Chaldeans. Okay. That's why they call themselves Chaldees. All right. So returning to this article. And uh, now this is very interesting. I didn't get the connection. The Kalani is, is derived from Chaldea as well, with the D dropped. And throughout history, our people have a tendency to drop certain words or certain letters from words uh, because they slur, <laughs> just as in the name Saxon is derived from Isaac, so we dropped the I and called ourselves Saxons or Sake, all right? And the same, uh, like uh, when we give each other nicknames, like Elizabeth, we drop the E and call her Elizabeth, and then we shorten it to a nickname Liz, okay? Very, very common our, of, of our people to do that. So the connection here between the Kalani, the Chaldeans, and the Chaldees now begins to make more sense, okay? So let me repeat this uh, very important here. I think this is a very important statement. Except for the spelling, he agreed with Aristotle and Clearchus. Higgins also claims that Ur of the Chaldees, the home of Abraham mentioned in the Bible, was actually Ur of the Chaldeans. Absolutely. That's what it is. Ur of the Chaldeans. A Chaldean, he continues, is actually called Deva, or the Holy Calls, a Brahmanical caste of India. So as I said, the, the, the Sethites were already in India, and they were the ones who produced all of this, uh, philosophical literature that comes from India. V- very high quality philosophical literature, uh, totally different from the writings of the Chinese and certainly the Africans. Now, this is high-quality philosophical literature that uh, is only compared to uh, the literature of the Hebrews. <laughs> as, as a matter of fact, there is a verse in Scripture, maybe somebody in the chat room can find it for me, where uh, there, there's a statement made that Solomon was as wise... As the men are almost as wise as the men of the east. That statement is referring to these Kaldis, okay? Call Deva, and Deva in the Sanskrit is uh, means an angel or spirit being, or the whole holy calls. Okay, now we're getting establishing some really strong linguistic connections between the Brahmins. And the Hebrews, okay? Because, uh, they, they're Adamites, number one. Uh, Chaldeans, number two. uh, Pre, uh, pre-Israelite, uh, Hebrews. And so, we see that when Abraham sent the Keturians east, they, they were sent to kindred blood. That's what happened. They were sent to kindred blood. So, uh, as far as I can tell, there was no, now maybe this is why the, uh, the, the current Hindu, uh, critique, cr- critiques of the Aryan invasion tend to downplay it. Well, because when, uh, Abraham sent his Keturian sons east, there was no war between the Sethites and the Keturians, because they recognized each other as kindred. They're obviously the same race. But later on, when they began to expand and they made war against the, the you know, half-caste down, down under in India, right? Yeah, then there was war. Right, then there was war. But, uh, but even today, the, the caste system of India reflects the fact that the upper caste are Aryan, have always been Aryan. And the, the lowest class is the least Aryan. You can, you can take that to the Chaldean bank <laughs> because that caste system still exists today, folks. It's just that the Aryans uh, have pretty much left, okay? Although when you find the Aryans, it's up toward Kashmir and into the mountains where the uh, non, non-white uh, population is. Uh, is uh, want to follow okay so you know, the higher up you go to the Indus River and all the various rivers of that entire area the more white the people are because they're the ones who stayed there okay So uh, so let's continue. Uh, a very important uh, connection here. He writes that the tribe of the Brahmin Abraham was expelled from or left India and settled in Goshen in Egypt. Now that's very interesting. There might be an Egyptian connection, but uh, I've heard stories go both ways, that the Egyptians traveled to India or to Mesopotamia and uh, vice versa. But uh, uh, that's a story for another day. It doesn't uh, really relate to our story here because Egypt was settled by Ham, all right? And uh, Ham was a Shemite. I'm sorry, Ham. Ham was a Hamite. He was a, a Noahite is the word I wanted. Ham was a son of Noah. And I, they obviously all spoke the same language, being raised in the same family. And they spoke Hebrew or Shemitic, more properly called Shemitic. Okay. And they call it uh uh, uh hamito ham, shamitic is the language that's uh, proposed for the Hamites, okay? They were in the same language, uh, in the same household, spoke the same language, therefore, and I call it Proto-Hebrew. Proto-Hebrew is probably the best term for it. Okay. The Arabian historians contend that Brahma and Abraham, their ancestor, are the same person. Okay www.modernmagic.com <laughs> okay we have to we have to go with some uh uh non-ordinary sources to to get this type of information because folks this has been suppressed and uh, there uh, certainly the jews don't want us to understand that the indo the world to understand that the indo-aryans and the hebrews are the same race. They don't want the world to understand that. Okay? And uh, so this is where we are at, folks. We need to... Oh, okay. So spoiler alert. First Kings 4.30. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of the children of the East Country and all the wisdom of Egypt. Thank you, spoiler. Thank you, spoiler. And so maybe there is an... Well, I mean, it's not out of... Um, that's not out of the realm of possibility because travel from, you know, through Mesopotamia, the Fertile Crescent, from India to Egypt was, uh, was probably not uh, that uncommon. It probably was common. Uh, until the advent of these militant empires, uh, such as Assyria, the Mitanni, and, uh, and others. That would have Babylon the Babylonians would have made travel more difficult. So pre-Babylonian, pre-Assyrian travel between Egypt and India, and even you know you sail down uh, the Gulf between India and Arabia, around the Horn of Arabia toward Egypt, that. That would be uh, you know, a, a, a yacht. That, that would be a pleasure cruise if you go by ship. So this suggestion here in this article, now that I think about it, is probably very much true that there was a, a lot of contact between Egypt and Brahmanic India, okay? And then he says, the Hebrew Bible adds another possibility regarding the relationship between India and Israel. Genesis 25, 6. To the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts while he was still alive. And he sent them away from his son Isaac eastward to the land of the east. Okay? That's India, folks. That's India. So, and the Brahmans get their name from Abraham. That much we have already known. We have argued that point many times. But this article really uh, establishes many connections that I wasn't aware of. So, that this uh, very important stuff here. Okay, and again, my apologies to Michael because I was not able to bring him onto the show today uh, because this is really interesting stuff. Anyway, uh, but I'll be back home next week and then I'll get uh, my home computer. My laptop is just messing up on me. Anyway, perhaps to highlight this relationship in comparison, the son of King David, the Hebrew Bible. Okay, thank you. Uh, 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 spoiler, found it for us. Or he does mention it here in the article. Solomon's wisdom, quote, this is 1 Kings 5.10, Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of the children of the East, namely the Chaldees, the Chaldeans. Abraham slash Sarah and Brahma Sarasvati are not the only overlapping figures between Hindu and Hebrew traditions. Okay, now I have to say a word about Hinduism. The Hindu religion only dates to approximately 300 BC. Hinduism is the uh, a conglomeration uh, a pick and choose religion that was uh, took the traditions of the uh, Zoroastrians, the uh, the sages that we're talking about here, the Indo-Aryan sages uh w- with their literature and it's just collected it all and then they collected all the gods and goddesses of all these various religions and uh that's that's hinduism hinduism is simply is not very eclectic because you know eclectic means you pick and choose uh the best stuff and throw away the worst stuff uh, but no hinduism is simply all of these ancient religions assembled together and it's called hinduism okay so Hinduism is a non-selective, non-eclectic religion that, uh, because they, they hedge their bets. They pray to all the gods and goddesses of the known literature from the past, collected it all together, and that's Hinduism, folks. Okay, that's what Hinduism is. So let's continue. So, uh, so he says, uh, are not the only overlapping figures between Hindu and Hebrew traditions. Ajit Vadakayal, points out, that's some kind of author, points out that there is also Adam and Eve and Adama Hayavati. The original Hebrew pronunciation of Eve is Ava, folks, or Ava. (laughs) Hayavati, Havayati, Havayati, I think I'm pronouncing it correctly here, with all the syllables, along with Noah and Neuha or Manu, as well, the Hebrew religion is one among a, a group of traditions, including Islam and Christianity, that believes that Abraham is their father. Judaism is not included. Why? Because... Esau was the son of Isaac and Rebekah, and of course he was rejected. Esau was rejected by Isaac and Rebekah, and he married into the Hittite tribes of the Canaanites. So the Jews stem from uh, Esau, not from Israel. All right. So therefore we exclude the Jews. They are not part of this. Okay, let's continue. And so and now the interesting thing about this because he includes Islam. Now before there was Islam, there were the sons of uh, Ishmael. and the Ishmael settled what in the Arabian Peninsula. So that the Ishmaelites were also uh, Shemitic but they they and they remained Caucasian throughout their history until, Islam because Islam believed in slavery and so when Muhammad and uh, the success his successors uh, rampaged around the Arabian peninsula and took slaves from other races they brought them in and intermarried with them so so the only connection Islam has here is that they are the descendants of Ishmael who was white okay so let's continue As well, since Brahma was has will-born sons, I'm not familiar, will-born, will-born sons. I think what he means is is that they were sons of the covenant, since has covenanted sons. Yeah, and the the covenant that uh, Abraham... Made with Ishmael was uh, in the term of a prophecy. He sent the Ishmaelites away with Hagar, so that they would not interfere with the inheritance of Isaac. And he did exactly the same with the sons of Keturah. This does not mean that they were totally. How should I put it? Uh, uncovenanted. They were. They were given promises. Uh, that they would be great people, although Ishmael was a wild man <laughs> and uh, uh, had a more of a tradition of violence than the Hebrews and the Keturites, the Keturians. And so all of this, these traditions coming from India uh, dovetail very well with the Bible, okay, as to the sons of Keturah and Ishmael. So, I think that's what he means by will born sons, covenanted, or, or they were given promises by Abraham. So, Brahmana Shpati, Lord of the Brahman Priests, and Brihaspati, Lord of the Burden Carriers, their relationship with Abraham cannot be answered so simply as the introductory title is asking. That is, the good qualities exemplified in Abraham are immortally deified in Brahma. That's well said. That is terribly well said. That the good qualities exemplified in Abraham are immortally deified in Brahma. So Brahma takes the place of Yahweh in India. While Brahma's wish-born sons live out these qualities on earth, much like Abraham. These qualities of Brahmanaspati, Brihaspati, the sons of Agiris, the fire clan, wishborn of Brahma, reflect remarkably with those of Abraham. Plus, the Brahmins are a bull cult. Before Abraham sent the Keturians east, they were aware of the covenant of the bull, the the sacrificing of the bull to make covenants. Okay, So that's why the Brahmins are a bull cult. Continuing, Abraham slash Sarah and Brahma Sarasvati are not the only overlapping figures. Uh, okay, I'm sorry, I, I read that already. Okay, uh, let's continue. Okay, he's calling. He's using terms willborn and wishborn, which is probably the difference between covenanted and promised. Okay, the ten common common themes between Brahma with his wishborn sons and Abraham. This research is not about rewriting the history of of. Israel, and Hinduism. The purpose is to develop a greater understanding of Abraham by way of his identity as Brahma and or Brahma by way of his identity as Abraham. This possibility would be advantageous to both the Hebrew and Hindu readers. Yes, it would. Keeping this advantage in mind, consider the following chart Reviewing the similarities of Abraham and Brahma for the Hebrew Bible from the Hebrew Bible and the sacred Hindu texts. Okay, so here is a list. Number one, divine eternal lineage of Brahma and Abraham. Note Brahma in the Rig Veda, Samaveda, and Atharvaveda Upanishads. Abraham in the Hebrew Bible and Christian New Testament. As I said earlier. All that literature from India is, in fact, very high philosophy. Very, very high philosophy. It's not Indian philosophy. It is Aryan philosophy from either the Sethites that were already there, and it probably they wrote a lot of this stuff too, but then it was incorporated by the Katurians. Under the sect of the Brahmins. Let's, let's start going through this list here. I. Brahma as father of all, while Abraham as father of many nations. Genesis 17.5. So, uh, he, this is the Rig Veda. RV 7.97b. Brahma as father of all. Abraham as father of many nations. Genesis 17.5. Brahma is the creator of the universe, BG-14, uh, while Abraham's descendants as members of the stars of the sky. <laughs> what? Well, uh, that, that brings us back to Joseph's dr- vision, right? Joseph's vision, that's later. But there's, uh, there's reason to believe that since the through, b- between the Chaldeans, who are the intermediaries between the Israelites and the Indo-Aryans, you can see, and of course, the the Israelites had uh, several uh, confrontations with the Chaldeans. I think the the priest that, that uh, was trying to curse the Israelites was a Chaldean priest, and the Chaldeans, uh, you know, like I said, they're itinerant, itinerant preachers that roamed around and uh, you know took donations and kind of lived off their preaching. So uh, it was uh, uh, Balaam, I think was his name, uh, who tried to curse the Israelites and failed because Yahweh was protecting. The The whole point of that episode in Scripture is to point out that the only way to uh, break the covenant between Israel and Yahweh is for us to race mix. And Phinehas uh, put an end to uh, an episode of race mixing between a son of Israel and a daughter of the corrupted Midianites by using a javelin. Okay, Phineas's javelin uh, was very crucial to understand, and of course, that's referenced uh, by the Book of Revelation and Jude, and I think also Second Peter. So that uh, that that sin of race mixing is condemned in the New Testament as well. Okay, it's kind of disguised language in the New Testament. So, so let's see. Brahman Milky Way is the celestial cow slash dolphin with 14 constellations on the right side of the Milky Way and 14 constellations on the left, while Abraham's star-like descendants number 14 generations from Abraham to King David, 14 from David to Babylonian exile, and 14 from Babylon to Jesus. Now, it's obvious to me that the connection here is that Indo-Aryan traditions and Hebrew traditions have been shared throughout history through the Chaldeans. That's what's becoming pretty obvious here. Uh, Number That was number three. Number four, Brahma bore all gods, celestial beings and enlightened ones, out of his body, while God, that is Yahweh, makes Abraham fruitful, and the Genesis text literally reads, kings come out from him, (laughs) Genesis 17.6. Number five, Brahma's son, Daksha, was born from his right thumb, while a grandson of Abraham called Benjamin son of the right hand. Okay, so you see the similarities, obviously, it's very obvious that the Brahmanic tradition is a corruption of Hebrew tradition. Nevertheless, this establishes the fact that they are related to one another, and it's obvious that the Indo-Aryan tradition is a corruption of the Hebrew tradition. So you have, it's like when you, uh, have this circle where one person whispers in the ear of the person to his right, and then he's supposed to uh, relate what he just heard to the person on his right or her right. And you know how the story gets corrupted before it comes back to the original story. This is how it works, folks. This is how the traditions get, <laughs> get corrupted. And Swamp Fox says, they say Christian missionaries who go to India come back with corrupted beliefs. Right? Well, right. The Christian missionaries who go anywhere come back with corrupted beliefs. You can take that to the bank. Yeah, cognitive dissonance sets in, right? That's Judeo Christianity, Freebird. It's called cognitive dissonance. All right. <laughs> so, so yeah, we are celestial cow dolphins. <laughs> That's what we are. We are celestial cow dolphins. All right. So, you can see how the story, how the myths, the, the, the teachings get corrupted, changed to suit the local population. All right? That's how it works. Anyway, uh, number six. Brahma and Sarasvati dwelt 100 years together, then bore their first son. Oh, hmm. Are you getting a Hebrew tradition here, folks? <laughs> While Abraham was 100 when Sarah, at 90, bore Isaac. Genesis 21.5. Number seven, one who is named Brahma Aspati is also named Brihaspati. While Abraham is given a new name, Abraham, in the divine covenant. Yeah, one was named Brahmana Aspati, and the other is Brihaspati, which reflects the name, name change that Abraham was given to Abraham. Number eight, Brahma and Vishnu argued as to who was the creator. Then Shiva appeared in a flaming lingam and they decided to make it the sacrificial symbol of fertility while Abraham's covenant with God is signed by circumcision. Genesis 17, 10-11. So, um, I'm not sure if there's a, uh, what to make of this. But uh, the flaming lingam, which I think is a tongue, if I'm not mistaken. It's either a tongue or or a, or a penis. <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> okay. And then, uh, then Shiva appeared in a flame. Now Shiva is the god of destruction in the Hindu tradition, but who knows what it started out being. Okay. Again, what we're seeing here is Hebrew tradition corrupted by the Indo-Aryans. So we're seeing more and more Connections than any traditions have ever, uh, you know, tried to investigate. So, uh, okay, let, I think I scrolled down a little too far here. Let me uh, scroll back up here. Okay, so uh, okay, I, I went down to part two. I went too far. Sorry. Okay, the moving of the stars or other Vedic sources, creation hymn and meditation uh, Sama Veda Atharaveda. So the Vedas the Vedas, as I have argued elsewhere, are in fact Indo Aryan Kuturian literature. Let's continue. The moving of the stars of the celestial cow the Milky Way represents the passing of the generations of humanity. The 100 Brahma years toward the birth of the first man of the divine covenant represent an ancestral promise that lasts until the end of the world by way of divine relationship and fruitfulness. Yeah, the covenant with Isaac. The covenant of Abraham is confirmed by the miraculous sign of a son born on his 100th year and Sarah's 90th. Section 2. The Priestly Offering of the Son of Brahma and Abraham. Brahma's son, or grandson, Daksha, is killed at the offering sacrifice before all the gods, while Abraham almost offers his son, Isaac, I.I. The, at the pleading of his father, Brihaspati, born from Brahma's body, Daksha is resurrected with the head of a ram, while Abraham finds a ram caught in a bush to sacrifice in place of his son, Isaac okay you can see how these Indian traditions directly derive from Genesis. I, I I number three Brahma's hidden offering relates to Abraham's offering of a ram caught in a bush. four uh, Nahiketas. Nahi N-A-C-H-I-K-E-T-A-S Nahikatas is offered by his father Vagas Ravasa Gautama now we're starting to get into Buddhism folks who was offering gifts Daxina to Yama the underworld god of death okay this is where the Katurians began to get, go into paganism but of course our people have too I mean, the reason why the ten northern tribes were cast out and divorced by Yahweh, because of their paganism. Five, Brahma's son Manu's offering offspring witness the sacrifice, which confirms that the offering of Abraham as reflective of a generation, generational priesthood, Brahma's will-born son, Brahma, Brahmana Spati, is also invoked to aid the patron of the sacrifice and his offspring. So, the the ancestral relationship, the direct line of descent of the Brahmins, corresponds with the direct line of descent of the Abrahamic covenant. There's no doubt about it. Number six, Brahma, chief of the priestly sacrifice, is the personification of Brahman, Brahman is the Indo-Aryan term for Yahweh because Abraham is the personification of Yahweh. While Abraham is a true personified high priest if he would go so far as to offer his own dear son. Number seven, the priesthood of Brihaspati, will-born son of Brahma, mingles with Ind- Indra, the storm god. Agni the god of fire and the traveling sage Ratya okay the travel with that's the Par- Chaldean priesthood, the traveling sage, which Buddha was also a traveling sage confirming the traveling of Abraham seasoned with the making of altars for burnt offerings and the digging of wells for storm water and ritual cleansing. okay? Are you beginning to see the connection here, folks? I hope so. Anyway, let's continue. And he gives a long list of Vedic sources of this uh, Brahmanic tradition. The earthly priest's offering to the heavenly recipient requires a complete and perfect sacrifice of the priest, since the priest was born on earth by the intervention of heaven. An animal, ram, Cut and or plant a tree pressed for the Soma drink is given as a replacement for the man by divine intervention. It appears that heaven expects and enables the sacrifice to last forever, even if all one has to sacrifice is mere grass, or as meditation reminds, the first breathing in at birth and the final breathing out at death, like yoga. The the grass is the sign of the generous and bountiful sacred cow, Since the grass at the cow's, as the cow's food is easy to find and the cow does not eat the roots as does the horse and the sheep. Therefore, the grass offering and the sacred cow become signs of immortality since the cow continuously provides milk and blood as food for humanity without itself dying or the species called cow. Very interesting. Section number three. The wife and sister of Brahma and Abraham, Sarasvati, and Sarah. Okay, now, I wish I knew what the word Vati means. Maybe somebody in the chat room can look that up for me, because this is getting more and more interesting. Okay? (laughs) More and more interesting, as this excellent article continues. Section 3. The wife and sister of Brahma and Abraham Sarasvati and Sarah. Brahma's wife and sister is Sarasvati. Her beauty is so great that Brahma grew four faces to view her from the every direction. So <laughs> that explains why Brahma is depicted as having four faces while Abraham's wife Sarah is also called his sister, Genesis 20.12, and is beautiful, Genesis 12.4. Two, compared to Brahma with faces in the four directions, is Abraham, who when called by God, was to look north, east, west, and south to the promised land and the four directions. Genesis 13.14. Number three, the river Sarasvati, has a tributary, as we mentioned earlier, Gagar, reflective of the name of Sarah's handsaver, Hagar. Number four, Brahma's sister Tara is husband of Braspati, born of Brahma's body or earthly aspect of Brahma, while Abraham's father is named Tara. The hill of Tara in Ireland, folks. There's another Chaldean connection another Chaldean connection with the religion of the original settlers, Israelite settlers of Ireland and Scotland. Hill of Tara. Number five, Soma. God of the immortal drink of the gods takes Tara away and she is returned to uh, Braspati by Brahma. Then Tara gives birth to Buddha while her husband Braspati brahmanaspati worries the child of the son of the god soma and he is (laughs) in the dead sea scrolls the genesis apocryphon tells of Lamech's concern over the beauty of noah believing he must be a child of the celestial being angels manu brahma and sarasvati's son first man and deluge survivor of indian mythology is equated with the hebrew adam isaac and noah I forgot about Noah when he was born. He had his face glowed. Okay, so you see, the traditions of the Brahmanic religion and the Hebrew Bible are unending. Literally unending here. Number six, Brahma is lord of medicine and healing, while Abraham heals Abimelech and his wife of barrenness. Genesis Apocrypha, Genesis 20:17, and the Genesis Apocryphon. The purpose of for the bareness of Abimelech was that he abducted the wife of Abraham, Sarah, similar to the abduction of Tara, the wife of Brahmanaspati. The, the Atharva Veda contains a prayer for protection from the abduction of a Brahman's wife. Hmm. Okay. But, of course, Abraham was at fault for that because when he told uh, uh, the pharaoh that his that uh, Sarah was his sister, not his wife, the uh, pharaoh assumed, well, she's available. <laughs> right? <laughs> A fair assumption. Okay. Number six. Sarasvati is goddess of speech named Vak, V-A-C, or Vak, while Abraham hearkens to the voice of Sarai, Sarah, Genesis 16.2, Genesis twenty one six and 12. Sarasvati, in her role as Vak, goddess of speech, communes with Brahma and the seven Rishi, Rishis, who are represented in the Big Dipper. <laughs> Brahma's wish-born sons, Briaspati and Brahmanaspati, are lords of speech in the Upanishads. Okay, so now we're beginning to see the connection between Hebrew literature and Indo-Aryan Sethite literature. This is a very good article showing all these connections. And there's another connection, major connection, namely the, the original zodiac called the Maseroth in the Bible. Adam, Seth, and Enoch were the originators of the these celestial objects in the sky that we call constellations, they originated those. And the original Zodiac, the Maseroth, was composed by Adam, Seth, and Enoch to depict the life of Christ. The original Zodiac totally depicts the life of Christ. And uh, that there's all kinds of literature confirming that. And I wrote an article called The Prophetic Maseroth, which details all these connections but that's another subject that's a very very complicated subject. All right. So, very interesting. Saraswati is the goddess of speech because she she uh, contended with Abraham and actually it was Sarah who told Abraham to send Hagar and Ishmael away. And uh, there's more in, in the book of Jasher, we are told that the reason why Sarah was so upset with Ishmael is because she witnessed Ishmael drawing a sword, and uh, pointing it at his younger brother, but not by, the, not by Sarah, by Hagar, Isaac, with the intention, I mean, all he had to do was let go the arrow, and Isaac would have been killed. This is why Sarah was so upset with Ishmael, and he told Abraham to send them away. Number seven, Sarasvati is called upon with all the attributes of Brahma, bright, wealthy, prayerful with sacrifice, and heroine of offspring. Same is true of Rebecca. Just as the divine covenant with Abraham invested with similar attributes, enlightenment, wealth, offering and offspring was only made possible by with Sarah by his side. Yeah. They complement one another. And they're exactly the same race, a race. Further Vedic sources, too many to mention here Rig Veda, Atara Veda, etc. Okay. Continuing. Sarasvati is born out of the body of Brahma, much like Eve by Adam's rib. So, and here we see most of these, the, the Greek, the uh, Babylonian, uh, other traditions actually derive from the Garden of Eden. It's basically paganism uh, retold from the Garden of Eden. That's what it, uh, the serpent culture, right? The serpent culture of the East, transmitted to the West? Where'd that come from? The serpent that bit Eve. (laughs) It wasn't apple, folks. It was a serpent. Such brother and sister becoming husband and wife does not contradict morality in the mystical landscape. Quote, from the side expresses the value of equality in the covenantal relationship. That's very interesting, because the word translated as rib actually means side. The only passage where that word is translated as rib is where Ad, or Eve was supposedly taken from Ab's, Adam's literal rib. But that's not what the word means. Everywhere else in Scripture, the word means side, meaning more like sidekick, you know, marriage, marriage of the DNA of the male And the female. Male and female, he created them. With the DNA, there's only one difference. That the X chromosome causes the female, the Y chromosome causes the male. Otherwise, the DNA is exactly identical. The man, Abraham, hearkens the voice of the woman, Sarah, who requests justice and peace for her and her son Isaac. Sarasvati becomes the guardian of speech, the voice for her children to be sung in the hymns of the Divine Sacrifice for all time. Braspati and Tara, aspects of Brahma and Sarasvati, with child, Daksha, is resurrected with the ram's head, perhaps renamed as the Enlightened Buddha. So you see, the connection between Hindu religion, or as eh, Vedic religion, not Hindu, Hinduism came much later, Vedic religion, and Abraham and Sarah is is right there, is, and in Buddhism as well, the Buddha, as I have argued elsewhere, was actually a descendant of Ezekiel or a cousin of Ezekiel, who broke away from his Hebrew brethren, went east, and began pre- preaching Buddhism. Okay. That's what it is. And the oldest traditions of of the Buddha, Gautama Buddha, state that he was an Aryan, not a fat, plump Chinaman. He was a very lean, handsome Aryan, namely an Israelite cousin of Ezekiel. Let's continue. The Hindu lore... Provides a bridge of communion between the Hindu and the Buddhist spiritualities. In the Hindu lore, the ram means sacrifice, therefore Buddha is offered completely as a newborn child of Soma. Well, what is Buddha saying? He says, sacrifice yourself for the greater good. Okay, it is a sacrificial, in a spiritual sense. Uh, with Hinduism, oh, you know, the sacred cow. <laughs> the sacred cow of Hinduism, right? They reversed the tradition by not offering the bull as a sacrifice. Now now the bulls aren't sacrificed at all. So the Hindu religion actually reversed the tradition, the bull tradition. Okay? Together, the family of Braspati, Tara, and Buddha offer a drink from the pressed man-shaped stem of the Soma plant from the mountains. Okay, so here we see, again, the Hebrew tradition is accommodated to the uh, local conditions of the Brahmins. Perhaps it was the very plant that caught the ram by the thorns <laughs> to spare the life of Isaac, another spiritual bridge toward the Hebrew faith. This birthing from the side offers a view from paradise of the beauty and the offering of the woman, Sarah, as an essential sign of the divine life. She is so essential that she carries within herself the miraculous sign of the offspring, the divine mandate of transferring enlightened wisdom by her speech, Sarasvati as Vak, V-A-C, or Vak, and the nourishment required for the spiritual covenant to carry on to the end of time, even to the immortal. Well, yeah, I mean, in our tradition, the mother rocking the baby in the (laughs) In the rocker, singing lullabies to the baby. It's right there. It's our tradition. Number four, Brahma and Abraham as patron of travelers. Well, Abraham did a lot of traveling, and so do we, the Hebrews. It means, well, traveler, it basically means the other side, crossing from one side of the river to the other is the, the secular meaning of the word Eber, okay, but the name of our ancestor, Heber. All right, so we're getting all of these connections set forth by the author. Yes, yes, Brother Eber Eve was the other side of the male DNA born from above. That would be, that's a very good way. Yeah, drawing a bow is the, uh, the reason why Sarah wanted... Uh, Ishmael to be expelled from the presence of Isaac. Whether It doesn't tell us in either the book of Jasher or uh, the Bible whether Sarah related this fact to Abraham. But that's the reason. Jasher gives us the reason why, and that's a very important reason. Number four, section four. With about 20 minutes left, and we're all about halfway through this document, Brahma and Abraham as patrons of travelers. Number one, Brahma is lord of paths of friend and friend of travelers. That's the Rig Veda. While Abraham journeys from Ur to Canaan and Egypt. Genesis 11-14. And the circumference of the Middle East in the Genesis Apocryphon. Well, I mean the Fertile Crescent. Because the, he would not have traveled through the great expanse of the Arabian Desert. That would have been dangerous, okay? So going through across the Fertile Crescent from, again, here's the uh, connection between India and Egypt. But as I said, the uh, waterborne connection would be even easier. But he didn't travel by water, he traveled by land. Okay, number two. Priestly hymn for Brihaspati regards traveling sage Ratya, as high guest of the king to enlighten the kingdom and this is the Athara Veda. While Abraham honors the three divine beings as guests as they enlighten him of his eternal offspring. Again, here, here's a connection to the Chaldeans again. See, the Chaldean religion was invented by the children of Noah, those who settled in that area. And of course, Babylon came from Nimrod. And so that was the evil children who were descending from Nimrod. But the Chaldeans are not descended from Nimrod. The Chaldeans, uh, but they, even they, even the Chaldeans, you know, descended into paganism. Not as badly as the Israelites, apparently not as badly as the Israelites did when they picked up Canaanite religion. But uh, there's this connection as well. All right, so again, Ur of the Chaldees, Chaldeans, and the uh, Chaldees of Ireland and Scotland. There's a linguistic connection there and the, the traditions are blending paganism with Hebrew religion. Number two, priestly hymn for Brihaspati regards traveling sage, Ratya, as high guest of the king to enlighten the kingdom, while Abraham honors the three divine beings as guests as they enlighten him of his eternal offspring. Now, this is a uh, a reference to where Abraham Entertain three angels in his tent. I think that's what this is referring to. Although the author doesn't uh, you know, connect it to scripture, although maybe it's in Genesis 11 through 14. Number three, Brihaspati guides the contestants of a race. Uh, what do you mean by race? <laughs> An actual physical race or people. <laughs> All right, and obviously the the contest between the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob have been ongoing, right, throughout history, even among the Israelites themselves. Other Vedic sources, the Rig Veda uh, and Atharvaveda. In the Genesis Apocryphon of the Dead Sea Scrolls, Abraham takes a journey around the entire Middle East along the bodies of water of the Mediterranean, the Euphrates, the Red Sea, the Sea of Reeds, and back to the Oak of Mamre. Okay? He was a traveling man. And I, Abraham, this is being a quotation here, looks like, and I, Abram, departed to travel. I began my journey at the river Gion. And I think, uh, I think this is from the Genesis Apocryphon, if I'm not mistaken. And traveled along the coast of the sea until I came to the mountain of the bull, Taurus. Then I traveled from the coast of the Great Salt Sea and journeyed towards the east until I came to the river Euphrates. I journeyed along the Euphrates until I came to the Red Sea in the east. Then I pursued my way in the south until I came to the river Gion or Gion and returning I came to my house in peace and found all things prosperous there. I went to dwell at the Oaks of Mamre, which is Hebron. I built an altar there and laid on it a sacrifice to the Most High God. I ate and drank there. All the men of my household and I sent for Mamre, Ornum, and Eshcol. The three Amorite brothers, my friends, and they drank with me from the Genesis Apocryphon of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Well, that was when Abraham and the Amorites were getting along, <laughs> right? They weren't intermarrying, but they were getting along. The Hindu called this great circular journey the Pradaxina Daksina, gift from the Brahma priest of the Soma sacrifice, Daksha, Brahma's child with the head of the ram. Okay, the bull tradition of bull sacrifice of Abraham continued in their tradition. At the Gion River, Abraham started and finished his journey. This is one of the four rivers flowing out of the Garden of Eden. Therefore, our meditation begins and ends in paradise. It is as easy as Jacob falling asleep with nothing more to offer but a rock used for a pillow. Paradise came down to him in his sleep and rose back up to paradise with angels using a ladder. Gion means to spring forth, which is the promise given to Abraham in the last line of Genesis Apocryphon regarding the miraculous birth of Isaac and the race of Abraham and his descendants springing forth from Isaac. And he, the Lord, said to him, quote, one who shall spring for your body shall inherit from you, unquote from the Genesis Apocryphon. See the importance of the Dead Sea Scrolls, folks. Abraham's ability to embrace the world on his sacred journey not only encircles the earth, well, the entire, the entire world as Abraham knew it, but reaches to the ends of time as well by the springing forth of his children. Brahma's children are not the only ones to practice the Pradaxina like Abraham. One profound example is the Islamic Hajj, the journey of Abraham restored by Muhammad, which culminates in the circular journey around Abraham's temple in Mecca. That's very interesting. So Mecca and the circling around uh, in Mecca commemorates Abraham's journey. I never would have thought that, never would have suspected that. But remember what I said earlier. Muhammad was a white man. A very... uh, (laughs) confused and deluded white man who created this religion called Islam which was very violent remember it says Ishmael will be a wild man section number five Brahma as lord of the light and Abraham from Ur city of light number one Brihaspati gives the daily light of wisdom Rig Veda Dwells in the light, Ataraveda, and becomes Sukra, bright, pure, seed, Venus, Sukra, and we the, we get the word sugar from Sukra, of course, meaning sweet. Brihaspati created all uh, the apparitional city where Brahma's abode lights up at the birth of a Buddha. Okay, the city of light. We we are our race is the city on the hill, the city of light. Let your light shine forth. While Abraham is from the Ur, meaning city of light, Genesis 11:31. Number 2, Brahma increases the Brahman's luster, the brightness of the priests, which is the same cleansing light Abraham manifested in the potential offering of his own dear son, Isaac. Okay, so so you can see that the Brahmanic tradition is clearly a corruption, and but also a remembrance of the Hebrew literature regarding Abraham, Isaac, Sarah, Hagar, and Keturah. Folks, this is obvious now. There's a very outstanding article. Again, I'm reading from an article. It's called Abraham and Brahma, Part 1. From www.boloji.com. Very good comparison of Brahmanic religion with Hebrew religion. Let's continue with about 10 minutes left. Brihaspati, will-born son aspect of Brahma, dwells in the light like Abraham in the City of Light, Ur. There is a path away from the City of Light that leads into the darkness of the unknown. This journey itself is an offering. A continuation of that sacrifice is incurred by the single vow requested. In breathing in and breathing out the life given to the children of Abraham or Brahma, Abraham. How does one follow in the footsteps of Brahma or Abraham? Follow them from the city of light in the golden age of the enlightened ones, from paradise to earth and back. This is the essential journey of the human heart to bring light to the world in an ever new dawn of enlightenment. Well, of course, Nobody follows it. (laughs) Not even our people. They don't follow enlightenment. But what's the enlightenment? It's the Hebrew scriptures, folks. And the gospel. Even us Israelites, even we Israelites, have failed miserably to follow this tradition of light. Section number six. The generous and bountiful Brahma and Abraham well, number one, give gifts to the Brahman priest for fame that will never decay and serve Brahm, Brahmana Spati with gifts and sacrifices. The father and steer, S-T-E-E-R, of all the gods, again, the bull tradition here. Much like Abraham gives a tie to Melchizedek, <laughs> and Melchizedek brings Abraham bread and wine. Brahma offers cattle, horses, holy food, and bountiful refreshments. And his will-born son, Brihaspati, gives fullness of life, cattle, horses, men, and heroes. While Abraham offers heifer, heifer, goat, lamb, dove, and pigeon. Genesis 15.9. Number three. Brahma is lord of prosperity and cattle. Brihaspati is equated with the holy power of Brahma, Briaspati with Indra, Soma, and others are lords of wealth invoked for prosperity in vital breath, senses, food, etc. While Abraham is wealthy in cattle, gold flocks, herds, and tents, Genesis 13, 2-5, and Abraham is generous with that wealth. Okay. Well, if we stick to wealth in terms of, you know, well, farming, <laughs> farming and ranching, rather than... Paper money, that's, well, that's real wealth. Paper money is the way the Jews used to steal our wealth from us, okay? So gold and silver are the currency of scripture, and that's what our currency should be. Gold and silver, as, long, as well as the wealth of the farm and the ranch. Number four, Briaspati wins food for the priest to eat from the offering by the holy power of the gods, and Brihaspati, named as Brahmanaspati, increases priest with life, breath, offspring, cattle, and fame, Atharaveda. While Abraham offers the three divine beings water, feet, feet washing, shade, cakes, dressed calf, curds, and milk, and he awaits on them. Okay, this is Genesis 18, 1-8. through 8. In an almost identical verse as... Atharavati 19.63.1 Brahma increases priests with life, breath, children, cattle, fame, wealth, and Brahman sister, or, or sorry, luster. <laughs> this is another confirmation that the will-born sons of Brahma, such as Briaspati, Buddha, Manu, etc., are either aspects of him or imitators of him in an unbroken lineage. Very well said. Very well said, not to mention descendants of him, okay? And Saratrustra, it just occurred to me, would be another one. All of these Middle Eastern religions are aspects of Abrahamic religion corrupted or adapted by non-Israelites, but nevertheless adapted by our kinsmen. That's what we're seeing here. So all of these traditions like Buddhism, Hinduism, or more correctly, Vedism, and Zoroastrianism uh, are really aspects of Brahmanic religion. Corrupted and or adapted by non-Israelites. Number five. Brihaspati with Indra of great wealth, drink Soma, Seated on the wide grass to delight in pleasant food, while Abraham, like oh, it's like a great picnic, <laughs> the great picnic uninterrupted by parasites, while Abraham honors the three sons of Canaan with a great feast at Mamre, from the Genesis Apocryphon. More Vedic sources, so very outstanding correlation between brahmanic religion and the hebrew religion let's continue with a few minutes left abraham is aware that having a divine covenant leads to an unlimited source yeah well an unlimited source of offspring that's for sure remember the stars of the sky the sands of the sea the result is an overwhelming generosity surrounding abraham with friendship The greatest gift of Brihaspati, will-born son, aspect of Brahma, is the release of the cows of the underworld, giving humanity the bounty of a sacrifice that never dies. Okay, so by this, the underworld is not necessarily an evil place, but the source of grass and cows, right? That is, the cow offers milk, like the Soma offering, allowing the cow... The priest and the people to be nourished. No one has to die. This generosity is requested. Of course, we preserve the immortality aspect in the promises made by Paul, where he relates to the fact, well, what Ab-, uh, what Ab and Eve lost in the garden, we will regain, but it's only promised to the 144,000 of the 12 tribes. It's not promised to everybody, but nevertheless, there will be a kind of immortality offered to, you know, in terms of prosperity, uh, d- delightful circumstances compared to our current circumstances to anyone who gets managed to get into the kingdom outside of the 144,000. Okay, so we're told that the life in the kingdom will be way better, way better than anything we've experienced on this planet, on this earth. So, let's continue. In a covenant uh, like Abraham's, Brahma, or God, is an eternally generous father, ever-present, and always pleased in and giving and receiving of gifts, meals, and life accessible to all. Well, it becomes accessible to other peoples on the planet through us. That's why we are not supposed to give our religion, our inheritance, away. Because they're not capable of creating this kind of society. But this is obviously what the Jews are trying... That's why the Jews are trying to destroy our DNA. Because we are the inheritors. They know it. They know that we Israelites are the inheritors of all these covenants and promises... That's why they want to destroy us. If they can prevent us from being the inheritors, then they have a clear path to taking over. That's what it's all about. That's what COVID is all about, folks. All right, I'm not going to get through number seven. I'll just uh, go through the quick points he makes here. Section number seven, Brahma and Abraham as mighty defender. Brahma is lord of warfare. With prayer for protection against wicked men to Brahmanaspati, a hymn for protection in battle, Atharaveda, with Briaspati like a fort of refuge, Atharavati, while Abraham defeats in four kings, oh, defeats four kings in Genesis 14, verses 8 through 15. Number two. Briaspati won the captives, cow's side of spirits of the dead, down from the mountains while Abraham rescued his nephew Lot, kidnapped by the four kings, Genesis 14 8 through15 again. Briaspati protects us from offenders in all direct from all directions. while Abraham is called to a divine covenant where his ancestors would inherit the land he viewed in every direction but not just his ancestors, his descendants viewed in every direction. Of course, our people have scattered in all directions around the world. More Vedic sources here. I'm not going to list, them uh, we wouldn't know what they are anyway, but uh, quite a number of Vedic sources he uses for comparison. Abraham trusted in a Brahma-like God, knowing the battle belongs to the Lord. Even if he was afraid he did not hesitate, and so trusted fully in, his, in the God, his shield and strength. His head has always been in paradise, viewing circumstances on the earth from the divine perspective. Where there, remember what Jesus said. Yeshua told us, "The kingdom is within you. You just have to be able to envision that, see the world through divine eyes, and live out your kingdom life right here." Okay, brought life by digging wells. How many wells has the white race dug on planet Earth compared to the other races? Water, the life spring of the well the spring of life, water. And the purer the water the better. Where there was humans acting unkindly to the poor, Abraham rescued them, not not even plundering his enemy where God's own justice was raining down on Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham tempered the wrath like the deluge forming rivers off of Shiva's hair. (laughs) Okay. All right. A lot of symbolism here. Too much to delve into today. We're out of time. Thanks for listening. We'll pick this subject up, hopefully with Michael aboard, next week. A very fascinating article here. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. See you all next time, folks. Take care, and Yahweh bless. Bye-bye.